du lyssnar på en podcast från Expressen. Fler poddar hittar du på expressen.se-podcast och på iTunes. Hallå allesammans, hjärtligt välkomna till en ny podcast med mig Magnus Nyström. Nu ska ni få bättre på er än engelska kanske lite grann på köpet här då. Jag gör nämligen denna podd med en kanadensisk kollega. Chris Johnston heter han och är reporter för kanadensiska Sportsnet. Han bevakar NHL såklart, bosatt i Toronto, har Toronto som bas men reser mycket runt i Nordamerika och bevakar NHL. Har också varit på en hel del internationella turneringar genom åren. Vi har lärt känna varandra eh, då vi har bevakat VM tillsammans. Han har gjort sju VM tror jag det är exakt. Eh, också ett par OS vi har träffat på varandra, både Sochi och Vancouver bland annat här de senaste åren. Chris har en hel del intressanta synpunkter när han pratar om svenskar i NHL. Han lyfter några han är särskilt imponerad av men nämner också några som man hade väntat sig lite mer av. Vi pratar en hel del om internationell hockey, vår oro. Det finns en anledning till oro inför World Cup, även om den är en häftig turnering. Men vi pratar om det vi inte gillar med den turneringen. Vi pratar också om vad vi tror om OS-framtid. Och sen hyllar vi en av dem som vi verkligen vill hylla, Jaromir Jäger. Några sköna Jäger-stories utlovas. Ja, det blir en hel del spännande hockeysnack, vågar jag lova. Och jag tänker inte tjata för mycket här utan säger helt enkelt hjärtligt välkomna till denna podd. Och här har ni... Chris Johnston. Okay, on the line with my friend and colleague Chris Johnston all the way from Toronto, Canada. Welcome to the show, Chris. You feel like you're in the next room, even though I'm a long ways away, Magnus. I know. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? <laughs> we have some pretty good winter here in Sweden right now, and you live in the country of winter a little bit. How's the weather over there? It has been very mild this year in, in Ontario and in Toronto, but uh, a little sco- snow on the ground this morning, so maybe some signs we're going to get uh, more traditional weather shortly here. Okay, let's talk hockey. Uh, it's been a great uh, last couple of weeks, especially when it comes to junior hockey. I mean, I had the privilege of watching those games in the end there of the tournament in Helsinki live, and that final was something really special and great to be part of. I know you watch a whole bunch of games on TV. What was your impression of the word juniors? Well, first of all, I'm jealous that you were there because uh, I would like to have been there myself. And, and for me, it was... It was one of the more exciting junior tournaments I can remember. Maybe it was a product that I had more time to, to watch the games, but uh, I was loving, you know, watching all those games and uh, particularly impressed, of course, with the Finnish team. And I would have said that even had they lost, uh, just to me, a, a totally different look than we're used to seeing uh, Finland on an international stage with, with, with impact players and led by two guys that are, you know, 18-year-olds that are, that are going to be heading into their NHL draft year and... and Uh, playing not just a good goalie and and boring defensive systems, so <laughs> that that was you know really my my main takeaway. And and I guess in a broader sense, uh, I think that that we're seeing still uh, you know more of a complete picture on the international stage with more countries that I think head into these tournaments with high expectations. And in the long run, that's good for hockey. What was the reaction in Canada though? Because they you know you guys got knocked out in the quarterfinals. Uh, you know, kind of typical what, what you'd expect. I think uh, a lot of people pointing fingers and you know criticizing <laughs> whether it's Jake Vertanen who's you know playing this year with the Vancouver Canucks and took some undisciplined uh, penalties in that quarterfinal, or you know some people criticizing the goaltending, which is uh, you know kind of become you know, the thing to do in Canada. We haven't produced uh, many elite goaltenders when, when it comes to that tournament in recent years, really since Carey Price actually. Uh, Uh, goaltending is is sort of a big concern here. Uh, I think uh, you know with both you know the the casual fan and uh, Hockey Canada in terms of you know what development's being used. So uh, not, Canada doesn't like losing early ever. I'm sure no. it's like a lot of countries, but uh, uh, there I, I do think um, it's probably wasn't as bad as it, it would have been five years ago. Just to pick a number, uh, I think people are rec- you know recognizing there's. Uh, a lot of other good countries out there, but uh, I guess a little bit more excitement heading into next year's tournament in Toronto and Montreal again. 
Yeah, and it's always special to me, at least. I mean, to see the Finnish play—I mean, the, the Canadian players after losing out like a quarterfinal—it's not only the sadness you see in the faces of the young Canadians; it's also kind of a disbelief and shock that we're not supposed to, you know, be out of the tournament already. That must be what drives you nuts about Canada if you're if you're from another country. I mean, it's the only way I sort of know, having grown up here and, and covered you know the Canadian team a lot internationally, but. You know, that expectation is still there um, for the kids. I think, you know, when you get to an Olympics, for example, you know, even though Canada's won the last two on the men's side, uh, the, I think that those players realize how difficult it is uh, to, to win. And, and I don't think maybe uh, there, there's that same level of, you know, they expect to win gold, but they, they realize it's very possible it won't happen. I think at the junior level, it's still kind of knocked into those kids' minds especially for so many years at the World Junior Tournament where Canada, I believe, cared more about that event in terms of the way it prepared the team, the way the fans reacted, the way it was viewed on television. That's that's obviously changed now yeah. here in recent years. But there's still that feeling when the Canadian kids go over, I think especially for the, the teenagers, that it's sort of their right to win it. And when they don't, they are surprised. Yeah. But do we, I mean, in general, that's my feeling. I mean, especially looking at Team Sweden, Uh, failing to to play their best games in the end of the tournament for the second year in a row. In a row, do you think we put maybe a little too high of expectations or too much pressure on these kids? I mean, to me, it seems like all those guys, boys, they're not really hand- ready to handle it. Do you agree with that? I it's funny, mate. I really struggle with this every year because there's sometimes I feel that we do, and then there's other times, you know, I, I look at, at kids. You know, some of them are playing professionally already. Many of them are very close to, to their start of their professional careers if they're not already. And, you know, in some cases, that's sort of what goes with the territory. But uh, I feel like, especially here in Canada, because, you know, I can't follow uh, the way the team is covered in, in Sweden, for example, uh, and see what's being written or said on television as, as much. But I, I, I definitely think it's right on the line. And, and occasionally it goes over the line. And, and there were some examples... Uh, this year with the Canadian team back home and, and some yeah. of the headlines and then and the newspapers and, and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, some of those it's, headlines after they were knocked out were really vicious. And, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, uh, towards teenagers. Right, and, and and at the end of the day, you know, I the one thing I, I'm always conf- a little confused by is it's single elimination tournaments. It's it's one game, and, and obviously you, you try to prepare the team and, and the players to to show their best in, the, in those one games when they get to the quarterfinals or semifinals or gold medal game. But we all know that, that you have a bad day or you can have a bad bounce in hockey. And in the case of Canada, they, they played the, the team that ended up winning the gold medal exactly, yeah, to yeah. a six to five game. They lost on a late power play goal. <laughs> yeah. It was a close game. It wasn't, it was really you know, they weren't game. embarrassed. No. They weren't embarrassed. True. So I, I do think there is a tendency to overreact, but, Uh, if I'm going to look at the positive side, it's nice that people care. Yeah. It's part of what makes international hockey special. And, and I do think on some level it does come with the territory. I have a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a thinking when it comes to the Swedish guys, and it's a different thing compared to the Canadians. But we have this expression in Swedish. Uh, I think you're familiar with it. When you, when you talk about curling parents, like you really sweep up everything for your kids and you make sure that everything is so good for them all the time. You know what I'm talking about? Like you yeah. kind of spoil them a little bit. And to me, it yeah. feels a little bit like we do that to our teenagers or our kids because at least that's what happened. I mean, what happened to Team Sweden the second year in a row was that they talked so much about doing well in the end. They talked about enjoying it. It's We're just going to go out there and have fun. We're going to enjoy the moment, all those cliches. And then what happened was that two years in a row, they played the absolute two worst games in the end. So it feels like Team Sweden, they're, those teenagers, teenage boys, if we if we should call them that, they were not ready to prepare on the top level. And it seems like, you know, I don't know, it's, they're not comfortable with those kind of games for some reason. I don't know. Well, perhaps they're 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 feeling the pressure too. I mean, I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, I mean, you would know better than me. But I think hasn't Sweden won all of its round robin games for many many? Yeah, oh yeah, now? oh yeah. And, and, and I mean, into the semifinals ten years in a row. Yeah, the only losses are coming in those those in big the end. games. And yeah. maybe even though that you, you only get a handful of players each year that return for second or third year, maybe they're feeling the pressure of you know some of the underperformances in the past or the teams mm-hmm. that fell short. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe so. And and then maybe also what I'm what I'm thinking about is that the kind of everything is so, you know, tucked around them and 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 taken care of around them. So when it really comes to the tough times, it's it's. I mean, and and also all the talk about enjoy, just go out there and enjoy the game. I mean, it's so easy to say, but to be 18 years old and play the you know in front of 12,000 Finns that want you to lose. Um, you know, it's not only fun to do that. It's kind of a, it's it's a tough thing, and maybe they should be a little better prepared for it and kind of really ask each other how do we feel instead of trying to tell each other that everybody's so happy and go lucky. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, know, maybe on some level it's good though for them to have that experience at that age to, uh-huh. to be in that that hostile of environment. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, definitely. And, you know, certainly when they get to World Cups or Olympics or World Championships. Uh, maybe be a little bit more prepared for you know what they're going to face. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, it was a lot of talk about the Nylanders, of course. You have them in your backyard, uh, William, who's doing really well in the American Hockey League, and younger brother Alexander down in the OHL. There, what what are your impressions of the Nylanders? Well, certainly uh, a lot of excitement about William here in Toronto. I mean, he's seen as kind of the future of the Maple Leafs, which is you know a bit of a uh, a big label to carry, but you know he's 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 the first he's their first high draft pick of the Brennan Shanahan era and running the team and and you know kind of the rebuild. So uh, the fact that he's gone and he was leading the American Hockey League in scoring uh, when he left to go to Helsinki is it it hasn't made the expectations on him any less of him uh, to become a future star. And and you know I think Alexander, uh, you know. From the, the Toronto point of view, people are wondering if maybe he's going to end up as a Leaf as well because mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of lining up that the, the Leafs will have a fairly high first-round pick, probably not right at the beginning unless uh, unless they win the lottery, you know, and, and have you know go against the odds up, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Then uh, you know that would be quite something. So I think people are kind of wondering if. If maybe uh, they'll, they'll both end up wearing the blue and white here in Toronto. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But I mean, I'm still, I mean, here in Sweden, a lot of fans and even some media people are like way, I mean, they are so excited about William Nylander. They can't stop praising him. I mean, even I had some reader who compared him to Slatan Ibrahimovic, who's one of the best football <laughs> players in the world. I'm like, come on, take it easy now. <laughs> We're talking about a teenage guy who hasn't played in the NHL yet. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, to me, I mean, there is no doubt about it that he's a super talented guy. Uh, but whether he's a really superstar in the first line player in the NHL, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Are you? I, I, I'm not either. I'll tell you for sure. And uh, it shows well on him, though, that that he did come to North America. He, he played pretty well in the in the AHL when he came here in, in January last year and, and on. Uh, but but to be leading that league in scoring uh, at at his age and and it's, yeah, that it's, is it's, impressive. It, it's a good sign yeah. because you know I I watch uh, a lot of AHL games and. It's not very pretty hockey, to, to put it mildly. There's not a lot of opportunities <laughs> uh, for the really skilled players to show their best. No, uh, it's you know kind of I don't know, but the best is very scrambly. It's not very organized in in any way. No. And the fact that he's been able to fight through that and put up points and 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 do well, and you know, there's a lot of big men there that are looking mm-hmm. to kind of be uh, be goons at, at times. So. I, I think that that's an encouraging sign, but yeah, it is. You know, I it's, agree with that. It's, it's not going to be a straight line to stardom. I don't, I no. don't believe. You know, and when he gets called up to the Leafs eventually and 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 plays, you know, I would I would think that Mike Babcock's going to have to work with him still yeah, a little oh, bit yeah. to adjust to the NHL game. But uh, the, the Leafs have a lot invested in this guy more than just your typical draft pick. So yeah. uh, I think I think we'll see them be patient with him and try to give him the best opportunity to to be an NHL star, but. I don't. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion either at this point. No, no, and it's interesting too because I mean the expectations are so high, and I kind of like. I mean, he seems to be a cool guy, but at the same time, to be in a position that he's going to be in with all the expectation, especially in Toronto, uh, and also the fact with him. I mean, it was. I mean, you can't really demand of him at the young age like last season in Sweden to to really lead the teams, even though he, he put up a lot of points, but. But but when I kind of um, uh, sat back a bit was last 
years were juniors, where he, when he was supposed to be a leading player for Team Sweden in the end, and he really didn't perform uh, his best ga- uh, you know, game in the end there. That's why I so much look forward to seeing him in this tournament, because I wanted to see him step up in the important games, and unfortunately we, we weren't allowed to see that. So it, to me, he's still a little unproven. Uh, yeah, definitely. Unknown quantity a little bit still. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's such a shame he got injured. In, in oh, yeah. oh, yeah. That was sad. Just, yeah. just to see, because you know he's at the age where you would expect him to be dominant. He scores yeah. on his first shift of the oh, tournament. Yeah, yeah. And, and playing with his and, brother you know, and all of that. It was just, and yeah, it was I looking know. like it was the perfect time for him maybe to, to break out and be a you know show those leadership qualities and show that he can be the man a little bit and you know for him not to get that opportunity and now yeah. you know he's still as far as i know hasn't skated no and, no and now he's you know he's lost almost uh, you know two three weeks yeah. of this season who knows when he'll be back i mean the, it's unfortunate on kind of a couple levels because uh, i do think we would have saw him in the nhl sooner than later yeah. you know if he had gone over there and played well and and now that he's recovering from a concussion, you know, who knows what the rest of the season is going to look like. An interesting uh, um, thing that I uh, thought about during the tournament in Finland was also the fact that, I mean, once again, I I wish William all the best and he is a super talented player. Everybody knows how great his father was uh, 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 for many years in the NHL. But those two guys, they really love to hold on to the puck. And maybe sometimes they have done it a little too long. Um, uh, <laughs> I kind of, you know, you kind of can see it both with the father and son in that case. But Alexander is different. I don't know if you have thought about that, but to me, it feels like he's a little quicker to kind of move on with the puck. He doesn't hold on to the puck as long as the other two Nylanders. And in and in that sense, and he he's got the same hockey brain. So I'm, I'm I mean, uh, I'm very, I'm really excited about Alexander's future. I mean, because um, he's he's kind of put in an, a different aspect into the game in that sense you know what i mean uh, yeah maybe in the nylander household when they were kids uh, there was only one puck so they, <laughs> exactly <laughs> the youngest had, had to learn to time, so. you never True. know i mean it could be almost that simple but yeah. you're right a, yeah. a different uh, sort of player and and you know that's what makes you think if they ever did end up somehow both play on the same team that yeah. they could play together because oh, yeah. they're, they're not trying to do the exact same thing no, exactly, on, exactly. on the ice and, yeah. and there could be a fit there and not to not to belittle the point but that's exactly why i wanted to see them play together oh yeah a little I bit agree. more at the world junior tournament because it would have been interesting but uh uh you know certainly the the good bloodlines must help and and oh yeah you know one observation i've made in spending some time with william is that uh, he seems like a very confident kid and, oh, yeah. and even though he's he's getting a lot of this attention both at home in sweden and And here uh, in, in Toronto, he seems to be handling it well oh, yeah. so far. Uh, oh, we'll yeah. see once he gets to the NHL because it's going to go to another level at that point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And especially in Toronto, of course. But, I mean, how about the Toronto Maple Leafs? I mean, it's been a, a favorite team for many Swedes ever since the beginning of the 70s, of course, with Boris Salming and Matt Sundin and everybody else coming in there over mm-hmm. the years. And, uh, you know, as well as all the Canadian people, we're kind of waiting for the big um, uh, tr- triumph in Toronto And uh, the fans have been waiting since 1967, the last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won a Stanley Cup. But it's a different time there now with, with of course, uh, Brandon Shanahan and Lula Moriello and Mike Babcock. And, I mean, you're close there. What, what, what is your take and what do you think about the Maple Leafs right now and their future? Well, I have to say I've been around the team as a journalist 14 years, 15 years now, and I've never seen them be ready to do the things they need to do to win in that time, to be honest, as they are right now. And uh, there's, they're legitimately finally being patient. And, and, you know, I believe with, with Brennan Shanahan in particular in the top leadership role, that they have a chance, that they have a chance to, to do it right and to build a team that, that is at least capable of, of challenging for a Stanley cup, yeah. uh, if not ultimately winning one. And, Uh, you know, it's it's about time. I mean, it, I mean <laughs> to have one one playoff series since uh, 2004 is is pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, in this in this city where the team is still supported so well. Yeah. Um, but you know they're they're willing to take the long road here, and and uh, they've actually played better this season, I, I think, than than people expected. Oh yeah. And and despite that, you're not going to see them when the trade deadline gets closer, go out and acquire players or anything like that. In fact. It's going to be the opposite in any of their 
the, the guys that they can sell off for, for more draft picks or prospects they're going to do. They're, they're going to keep players with the Marlies. Even the fact that William Nylander hasn't played an NHL game yet, I, I can tell you for sure. In the past, he would already be, be playing for the Maple Leafs yeah. just because, you know, he's shown such promise and, yeah. and people are excited about him. And, and there's, you know, I, I spoke with Brendan Shanahan just after the training camp ended and he said he wants to see him in the NHL, but he just knows it's not the best way to go about things. So, uh-huh. you know, I, I think that, that there's there's just such pressure to win that, that um, most of the GMs in the past have tried to cut corners, at least in the, the time I've been around. Oh, yeah. and, and I really... I really believe, and I know it, I could be burned for saying it, but that they're not going to do that this time and that they're willing to, to be patient and, and to collect all these, these young guys and try to develop them properly. And with Mike Babcock as a coach, I do believe you're finally going to see this become a good team here in the next couple of years. Yeah, that sounds great. And that is by time. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I felt sorry for Matt Sandin during his days there sometimes. I mean, the way he was, you know, I mean, putting in the work every day, every practice, every game, and it kind of felt that, you know, he didn't really have the surrounding that he deserved. I mean, uh, I mean, there were some players that were good, of course, and some people that did good things, but... Mm, I mean, it wasn't really a top team, and he really had to to pull that team a lot of the time. He dealt with a lot of crap here, to be honest. Yeah. And and if you look back, he was so consistent. He led the team in scoring for basically every year for 10 years or more, was very uh, consistently getting 70, 80 points every season. And and a lot of times doing it, especially the view in Toronto, without the the proper wingers. Yeah, oh, yeah. uh, Truly high-end guys, and... You know, to my knowledge, he never complained about any of it. No, and no. he was such a good uh, soldier and and a productive player. And if if anything, I I, I feel wor- the the worst for Matt that after doing all that, that at the end he was still criticized by some for not accepting the trade. Yeah, and he didn't sort of get the proper goodbye. Obviously, that half season in Vancouver wasn't really what. Uh, he imagined it would be it no. wasn't something you know in fact i've heard him say he regrets it so yeah, he didn't yeah. get the proper farewell in in some ways although he's still beloved now by by maple leafs fans but uh he's i mean i can't think of a better center that the organization's had in 40 years yeah. uh, you know than matt sundin really since their stanley cup years and and uh, time time is going to be good to him, but he had he went through some tough times here because yeah. he was on teams that were always almost good enough but not quite good enough, and they always just fell a little bit short. And and even though he was the best player, he shouldered some of the responsibility for that. And I also remember for a few years there that he that he he didn't really have the ice time comparable with other stars in other teams. He played like a bunch of minutes less than like a Forsberg or an Iceman or whoever that were big stars in other teams. And that was also a thing that some people around the Maple Leafs organization were frustrated about. But he never said anything bad about that either, even though he must have been furious at times. Yeah. Right. And, you know, that's... It, it's just to be the captain of the Maple Leafs too. And, and even, I mean, it's it's funny because it's not that long ago in years, but I think mindsets are different. I mean, some people wondered about having a European captain and yeah. if that was the right thing. And... You know, Matt's, I just, you know, the times I was around him early in my career, I, he was just never such a class guy about uh-huh. everything. And and no matter what the, the crisis of the day was or, you know, what uh, what people were getting, what story people were excited about, he, he always had a very level-headed way of looking at things. And I just think uh, really handled himself uh, very well and... and um, you know he's got a he's got a statue outside the building now. Yeah. Here, as as does Boreas Salming. So uh, uh, they're, they're you know they're both remembered as great Leafs. But uh, like most other Leafs, they 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 failed to win a Stanley Cup there in their career, and and so I guess the pursuit continues here. Uh, I saw him almost lose it at one time. That was that game, a classic game. Remember that one in the playoffs against New Jersey Devils when they had like nine shots on goal the whole game. <laughs> Six shots, believe it Was it, it or six not. even? Yeah, oh my it's God. It's crazy. Yeah, I was at that game, and I talked to Matt afterwards, and it was kind of, you know, one of those moments where I had gotten my quotes, and he was on his way to the bus, and he just, you know, he just let it go there. And I was also in a position where, okay, well, okay, this is really like off the record. But it's interesting right. to see just, oh, wow, that was just, he just needed to get it off his chest. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, that was, I, I off the top of my head, Magnus, I don't remember the year, but that was in that period from about 1999 to 2004, where every year the Leafs were in the playoffs. Every year they were getting to 
second round, sometimes yeah. third round, yeah. and just falling short. And, yeah. and I'm sure the frustration you got from him that night, I mean, uh, obviously, I mean, that that was the bad hockey. That was the devils of the trap era. Oh, yeah. You get six oh, yeah. shots. And, yeah, and it must have been so terrible game. to be up against that team. Jesus Christ. I mean, I know. I don't even want to go back and watch that game <laughs> I know. on TV. So to have to live it if you're him, yeah. I can understand where the frustration might have built up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was tough. Okay, let's talk about this season and the Swedish players. Let's put a little extra spotlight on the Swedes. And um, there is a few pretty good ones that made the All-Star team. For example, we got Nicholas Backstrom in there uh, 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 and Eric Karlsson, uh, of course. And um, yeah, no more names from me here. Let's hear you talk about the Swedish players that impress uh, impress you the most. Well, Eric Karlsson has to be at the top of the list for me this year because... If you look at the Ottawa Senators team that he's playing on, there's there really isn't much beyond him uh, in terms of high-end players. And and he's almost... Talk about eyes, being alone on a team. <laughs> I know, in my eyes, single-handedly carrying uh, them uh, yeah. to, you know, right now, as, as we're speaking, they've just fallen below the playoff line. But for much of the year, they've, they've been in a playoff position and he's playing basically half the game uh, for them and obviously producing points better than a point a game. Uh, to me, the, the favorite again to win the Norris Trophy uh, halfway through the season. So uh, he's he's probably the one that, that jumps out uh, the most. Uh, you know, I think that you could even make a case uh, for him for some MVP votes just because I think he's been so valuable the way he uh, to, the, the, team, to yeah. the Senators. And, you know, when I think of Eric, part of me wonders, uh, what's Ottawa doing with this guy? I mean, they're, they're having one of the elite defensemen of his era on their team. And, you know, they haven't to this point... They failed to to put the proper team around him, much like maybe we we're talking about Matt Sundin in the past, and and you know kind of squandering his best years in the NHL right now, in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah interesting. I agree with you. Uh, and uh, besides him, anybody else that pops up that you want to mention? Well, Nicholas Backstrom, he's been great for years. It's good to see him finally get that All Star game nod. And yeah. you know, Washington is is one of the teams I believe that that's right there. They're in they're in my my three possibilities most likely to win a Stanley Cup. And the other two are? Uh, off the top of my head, LA and Chicago. Yeah, okay. Are, are Chicago. The other, that's my that's my big three right now yeah. uh, in in the league. And, and you know, Backstrom, uh, he's, he's sort of, he's not doing anything greater than in the past, I, I don't believe, but he's been an elite player in the NHL for the, for the last number of years. And, it, and it's good to see, you know, that team, you know, I think really is, is as dangerous as anybody right now. And, and, Uh, part of it's been the fact that they they have a number two center in Evgeny Kuznetsov, who's who's taken his game up a notch. But yeah. uh, um, you know, I I, I do uh, you know think that Nicholas Backstrom's getting a lot of love there too because more people are writing about the Capitals and talking to them. And, and I've seen a number of quotes from from his teammates saying he's among the more underrated players. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as for other Swedes, I think John Klingberg is is made a a very strong impression. Um, you know, on on you know the Dallas Stars are probably the one of the more exciting teams to watch in the NHL. They're they're likely to score six and maybe give up five, and 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 he's uh, you know certainly driving. I think a lot of their offense. Uh, the the Sedin twins at, at age 35. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, quite productive, and you know they're in a situation in Vancouver where you know they're trying to to go with youth. You know, in uh-huh. other parts of the lineup, and they're you know in my eyes carrying that team. Uh, you know, Louis Erickson has had a pretty strong contract year. Yeah, I think Oliver Ekman Larson, uh, you know, looks like he might score 20 goals again. And, yeah, and, that's pretty amazing. You know, I think he's he's in a tough position. You know, playing in Arizona, uh, you know, where they do have some younger players, but there's still a long way to go. And and he's you know, in my eyes, the best player on the on the team. And uh, probably the Swedish defense pairing in Tampa, even though yeah, uh, it's it's been difficult year for the Lightning. I think. Uh, Victor Hedman has had a strong year, and, and Anton Strom, and, and really, I see those guys carrying that team a lot of nights uh, when I yeah. watch them play, and uh, they could use some more defense behind them, I think, to, if they're going to get back to where they want to be and, and challenging for the Stanley Cup. How about if we turn it around a bit, the Swedish players that you think needs to step up a bit? Hmm, that's a tough one. Uh, Don't be shy now. 
<laughs> well, it's not even being shy. It's just I don't I don't view the world uh, through the Swedish prism all the time. So no, of course not. About it. But, but, uh, Everybody you know, should. <laughs> well, no, it's not even. It's but it sounds funny. But when you watch games, I'm not always thinking of which country each of the no, players are I know, from. I know. Um, you know, it's it's not necessarily a step up situation, but I think Patrick Berglund, who missed the first half of the year in St. Louis, uh, you know, the Blues. They're 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 kind of in the same position as always. They're a very good team. There's no question. But playing in the Central Division, I think that him coming back at this point in the year, if he can have a strong finish, would I mean they need that. They they need a boost. Yeah. They need something to help put them over the edge. And and you know we'll see what he can do. I don't know what the expectation should be after missing so much time to injury. You know a player that that surprised me a little bit. Magnus is, is I thought that Eddie Lack, uh, you know, given more opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, would have a, a stronger season than he's had. Uh, you know, there's a real chance for him in, in Carolina to, to, you know, I think Cam Ward's best days are behind him. And, you know, Eddie played so well for the Canucks down the stretch last year. And, you know, I, I would have expected him to have a stronger year. Uh, than he has so far. I mean, give me some other hints. Who else uh, who's on your radar a little bit? Well, a team that really haven't performed the way you kind of expected is Anaheim, of course, and you got a couple of Swedes there. Like, I mean, Jacob Silverberg, for example, is one I really expected to to have a hell of a year, but, I mean, he's affected by that whole team's uh, turmoil a bit there. Things are not going well for them, but he's a name that pops up for me a little bit. Also maybe because of my high expectations. Well, sure, and he's at that stage in his career where, you know, I think it's it's a, you know reasonable to have expectations. He's you know he's been in the league a few years, uh, he knows he knows the deal, and and you know really for that Anaheim team, their, their best players uh, are getting older by NHL years. They're getting yeah. to the point where we shouldn't expect them to to produce at the same levels. And I think, you know, really for Anaheim, that's been the biggest issue. You only have to look in the goals scored column, and they're they're good twenty five goals behind most teams in the league right now. And and uh, part of that has to be bad luck, but I think another part of it, there's, there's uh, you got players in Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry who uh, are getting older in years and you need some of the younger guys to, to push up and, and, and produce a little bit more than they have in the past to even it out. And, and it hasn't happened. And, you know, it's really been a nightmare season for the Ducks after, you know, they easily could have been in the Stanley Cup last year. Yeah, uh, you, win, you win a game seven. They, they were in that series right right through a Chicago and had, uh, you know, a great opportunity. And now, you know, it looks like they're going to miss the playoffs and who knows what changes will follow that. I mean, we won't be surprised if the coach is fired and Bruce Boudreaux, but, but they're, they're, the changes might go deeper with some of the players on the roster as well. Yeah. Yeah. True too. Yeah. Uh, talking about Swedes, by the way, you have covered a whole, how many world championships have you covered? Seven men's worlds. Seven men's world, yeah. Because we we uh, we we've been hanging out uh, during world championships a bit over the years, and you have interviewed a whole bunch of Swedish players around that tournament, and of course in your in your uh, daily working life now in the NHL. Who would you say is Mister Nice Guy of all the Swedes? Somebody that uh-huh. you would really. <laughs> I, I I promise you, and it's going to sound bad. It's going to sound like I'm sucking up because it's, it's a podcast in Sweden. But I I have never met a classier group of people than Swedes when it comes to dealing with the media. And uh, I observed actually at the World's Magnus that there's there's a different, I think, from my eyes, media culture between uh, reporters and players in Sweden. It seems that the players uh, kind of are, are more than happy to stand around and talk for a long period of time, which is you know not something... Uh, we we really have here in North America so much. Generally, interviews yeah. uh, with players are kept fairly short, and 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 if you you ask five questions, by the time you get to the sixth question, you can see the guy <laughs> looking around to see if looking if towards the door. <laughs> so that's one thing I've always enjoyed about Swedes. My favorite. Swede to speak with over the years was was Daniel Alfredson, yeah. and uh, part of that I, I think is you know I've been based in Toronto, so I saw a lot of him. Uh, I covered a few playoff series with with Ottawa in it, and I just found Daniel to be uh, in good times or bad. He would come out and and sort of tell it like it is, and you know Daniel sometimes has an edge to him. He's a very competitive guy, and he's you know clearly he's been frustrated to it in some of those playoff series and and things but you know he he always treated reporters with 
um, you know, such a high level of, of class that uh, he's, he's in my top three people ever that I've, that I've had the chance to, to speak with on a regular basis. And uh, he's kind of the first Swede that jumps out, but you know, even today's Swedes, I mean, Victor Hedman, I, I was in Tampa a lot last uh, year. He's a great guy, yeah. He would stand around and chat with you for half an hour. And yeah. you know, I, I met his dad at, uh, during one of the games uh, when they were playing the Rangers in the Eastern conference final. And, you know, just a, a really class guy, even Oliver Ekman Larson, you know, even Eric Carlson, I'll say it's funny. Eric, Eric is, he's sort of, he's, he's not my stereotypical Swede, no. <laughs> but, but at all. He's more of a rock star than a, than a, and a nationality in a sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. And, and it's like, he's, he's, he's the anti-Swede to me, but yeah. <laughs> I just, I love talking to him because he's, he's, you never know what he's going to say and he's not afraid to kind of put himself out there. And, uh, you know, I really, honestly, I, I, I struggle to find the bad Swede, yeah. the, the Swede that's difficult to talk to because they're really... But it must have happened at some point that somebody kind of, you know, looked at the Canadian with all the questions thinking, oh, oh I have other things to do. Have any, any, anybody from Sweden kind of given you the cold shoulder at some point? Not really. Uh, you know, sometimes maybe Patrick Hornquist is, is a little tougher to get through to. Yeah. Uh, Johan Franzen was, you know, a tough interview. I, I wouldn't say it's not so much the cold shoulder, but just I don't know if the English isn't quite as good yeah. or, you know, not really a guy that is, is easy to speak with. But, I mean, it's it's very difficult to, to think of them, and I'm not afraid to, to say if, if there isn't. But I'd love to know why the, the culture is so different because, yeah. uh, you know, it seems that you, you guys get to speak a lot more with the players than we do, and then. I'm a little bit jealous, frankly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I have to say also, it's it's funny that you mentioned Alfredson. And, and I, I'm going to say to all the people that listen to this that we have decided about topics, you and me, but we haven't really talked details yet. So I didn't know you were going to say Alfredson. But but mm-hmm. I, I, it was one of the world championships recently that was in the Globe Arena. That was the first one. It was two in a row here a few years back. Yeah. Uh, Alfredson was in the first one. And he was really, you know... Knocked out of the playoffs once again, disappointed over that. He came to Sweden. I mean, he had to answer questions after every practice. He showed patience all the time. And and then there was this very shy Russian female reporter who wanted to have an interview with him. And this was like after practice, really. So he could easily have said, you know, I'm doing it in the mix zone or whatever. He was pretty, he was up in the stands, really. And he's been, right. you know, he had a lot of talks. I mean, the Swedish, he's, he's talked to the Swedish media for quite a long time. And then she asked for an interview and he's like, oh, sure. So they sat down and she had, I mean, she was very shy. And she had written down the questions, you know, and, mm-hmm. and she started asking questions. It was good question. It was really good questions. And he's, you know, he's so passionate about the game. And he kind of liked, I think, the fact that she was very professional and had good questions. So he spent almost like 10 minutes with her. And, and uh, you know, it's not that many stars that would do that with a reporter from a foreign country like that. And when they right. were done, I even, I walked over to Daniel. I'm like, said, you know, Daniel, this is why I love to cover hockey. The way you treat people and the way you, you know, like behave towards people is just, you know, it, you're such a class act. And, right. and this is hockey to me. So, yeah, it, I'm glad you, you mentioned Alfredson. As you say, you raise a good point there, too, because it's easier to be... If you're going to be a jerk to do it to someone from another country in those settings is a little bit easier. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, you're going to naturally the Canadian guys when they see me at a world championship are going to be very polite because, you know, there's not usually a lot of reporters there and they know I'm Canadian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but it, it's much easier to 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 be rude or to 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 just say no no thank you to, to someone from another country. Yeah. So I think that that shows an extra level of a class in that particular situation as well. And you know, one thing that stands out about Daniel is I remember I covered the at least a couple years in a row of the playoff series, where every year we were wondering, is this the end for him? Yeah. And yeah. and you know, but this was in Ottawa before he even went to Detroit uh, for that last season. And every year, you know, when they faced elimination, he'd be asked about it, and he just, even though it was a, it must have been a difficult t- subject for him to address, especially in the middle of the playoffs. I I just thought he had such patience in dealing with that, and and I think he understood. Uh, you know, where the reporters were coming from. And uh, I always just thought there a, a lot of guys under those circumstances would say, we're in the middle of the playoffs. Yeah, and, exactly. Know, yeah. We'll talk about this after the season. But but I never saw him once act that way. And, and you know, I'm really glad that, that Daniel's, you know, stayed around and, and working with the Senators. And, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, I, I hope over time it seems 
you know, it might be his desire to even be a GM in the league that that, that will, uh, you know, keep him in hockey because, you know, he's one of the great gentlemen of, of the sport. Really is. And very passionate about the sport and a smart guy. He could have been, you know, he could have had a successful career in whatever area, I think, you know didn't have to be hockey for him. It just happened to be because he was so talented. He could have had a great career in any kind of, you know, work, uh, I think. Uh, right, and that's why it'll be interesting to see what he does next. Exactly, and, yeah. Know, it seems, I know he's been on the ice this year at the Senators a little bit, but it does seem that his passion is more to work in a front office. And, yeah. and you know, it, I guess he he might get a little bit of an asterisk, but we don't, you know, we haven't had very many general managers in the NHL from Europe. No, that's Yarmo Kekalainen is there yeah. now. And, you know, obviously Daniel's been a long time in the NHL, so he's lived a good good portion of his life in North America. Yeah. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see him pursue, uh, you know, that path because uh, I agree with you. I think he has the mind uh, and the and the passion to, to, to put the work in and, you know, build a great second career here after his playing days are done. Yeah. Talking about gentlemen, I mean, Nicholas Lidstrom, he was uh, the, the perfect gentleman and the perfect human, even it was his nickname there in Detroit and what a great player he was. But we have to be honest here, he's not the best quote. No. He's very <laughs> polite about it. Yeah. He, he is very polite. I mean, yeah. I, I, never, uh, I never saw him. Is he not a good quote in Swedish? Either, no, or? no, he's not a good quote. Uh, he's a great guy, but he's not a good quote. <laughs> well, let's face it. I mean, part of what you're looking for as a journalist is turmoil, is, yeah. is tension, is is you know not always controversy, but 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 points of where, where things aren't comfortable. I mean, that guy is as comfortable as they come in every yeah. way. I mean, he was just uh, such a great player. He had so much success with his teams, but individually as well. And and uh, it, it does seem that he is perfect in, in some yeah. ways. And I'm sure that's it's a very unfair thing to say because. As we know, no one's life is, is as perfect as it looks from the outside. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, and I, the I funny thing is, though, the good stories here, I mean, the good stories I have done about him over the years, and it's been a few, has mostly been, uh, you know, talking to teammates, talking to, like, people around him. I remember right. I even did a big story about him before. I think it was before the Olympics in Salt Lake City where I did most of the talking with his wife to just get a different perspective. Uh, and that turned out really well. I mean, he's a great guy, so you really like him a lot. But, but uh, I mean, and he, I mean, the fact that he hasn't talked in headlines, so to speak, is also really something he's done on purpose. He, he right. absolutely didn't want to end up in any kind of controversies or anything. So it's something that he really, you know, he's been doing it. Uh, he's been thinking about doing it the way that he does it. So, so, uh, oh, yeah. Um, uh, but, I, I bet when you spoke with his wife, though, she didn't call him the perfect human. No, she didn't. <laughs> she really didn't. And she had fun about that, too. So, <laughs> right. So. I, it's funny. I, I remember seeing the, their family in Las Vegas uh, during the NHL awards. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it was it four boys he has. And yeah. they all just looked like, little mini versions you know one <laughs> tallest and then a little shorter a little shorter a little shorter uh, they all look like they're sculpted from the same uh, from the same good genes as nicholas has so yeah uh. <laughs> Maybe we'll we'll cover future Lidstroms in the NHL at some point. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. And it was great to see him, of course, also to get his spot in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And now we got Boria Salming, we got Sandin there, Lidstrom, of course, and Peter Forsberg. And the that's four pretty good names. If you have to choose one, the greatest Swedish player ever, it's going to be one of those oh, four. Man, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I have to put you on the spot. You were not prepared for this at all. Uh, Salming, Lidstrom, Forsberg, Sandin, and you only get to pick one i think i have to go lidstrom yeah and only because of for how long uh and on so many levels he had success uh it's it's a tough one but, yeah, I but know. For, <laughs> for me it has to be him just because it was you know it was over 20 years and it was international success with with the trey cronar with with uh, you know, as I said, all the individual success he had in the NHL and winning all those Norris trophies and then winning the Stanley Cup and, and, and captaining a team uh, there, you know, to me, he's he's the one. I mean, Forsberg was probably had the higher ceiling when he was at his best. But, yeah, I agree you know, with I think, you. Totally agree I think with you. so much of his career is defined by the injuries and, mm -hmm. and by wondering how much more he could have done if if, if he didn't. Uh, have those issues and didn't have to retire at such a young age and you know I know he made the comebacks but he but he clearly wasn't uh, the same player uh, no. that he was so he, he probably had the potential to to be the guy I would choose but I, I have to go with Lidstrom among that group 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I really do. Uh, and let's talk some more international hockey. I know all uh, people in North America are not that excited about the international tournaments. Uh, World championships are pretty well covered. I'd say very well covered, at least compared to what people think in Canada. You're one uh, who've been in charge of that over your years covering the World Championships. But, I mean, when Team Canada is playing in wherever in the world and whatever tournament, people care in Canada because it's a hockey country. Um, the Olympics, every, I mean, most people get excited over the Olympics. How about the World Cup coming up in Toronto Uh, in September, Uh, I have to admit, I've got mixed emotions about this. It's going to be real interesting to hear your take here. But the reason I have, I mean, first of all, it's going to be great, of course, to see all the best players compete against each other. But those two made-up teams, the rest of Europe team and the young North Americans, I don't know. It is a gimmick. Yeah, it is. is, is, uh, I can understand why they did it. I mean, they're, they're trying to maximize the number of NHL players in the tournament. They, they don't want some of the countries to have to use half a team that, that plays in Europe. But uh, it, it's not a true international uh, – it's not the spirit of an international event. And, no. You know, especially the rest of Europe team, I think, is – I'm not sure how you – I mean, if you look at the, the management group even, they, it's just <laughs> such a – it's just such a mismatch of yeah. people from – different backgrounds and, you know, even some Canadians involved. And it, yeah. It's sort of a strange, I don't know, it's a strange solution to a problem that, that they yeah. come up with. And, <laughs> you know, I, I think, too, the issue is that, you know, this this tournament, even though there have been Canada Cups in the past and a couple World Cups, it has no history. I mean, it's not, there's no tradition there. No. And so they're, they're trying to start something new. And, uh, you know, I think the NHL looks at the World Cup of Soccer and sees its success and wonders why, you know, there isn't a similar uh, event in hockey that they control, you know, outside of the Olympics. And, um, you know, I I think that that really it's it's motivated by making money and and controlling the event a little bit more than they can at the Olympics. And, uh, you know, maybe in in time this will come to be a big event, but it's going to be interesting. You know, even playing in September, Magnus, I think is – it's going to be strange. I mean, the, the weather in Toronto can be quite warm in September. It's going to be summertime um, feeling outside, and it's going to be a training camp. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And even this will uh, sound crazy, but there's a baseball team in Toronto that that is is probably bigger than the Maple Leafs right now in terms yeah. of people's interest. And because they're the, so successful, also. Right, and and that's the, that's the last month before the playoffs, and there's even the chance if they're having another good season next year that that the interest level even in Toronto, which is you know, a big hockey city that might not be at the same level. So, I mean, I love international hockey. If I could only cover international hockey tournaments, I honestly would would do it. Yeah. Uh, I I just, it's not to say I don't love the NHL, but there's something special about, you know, getting people from different countries together. And, and, you know, frankly, spending time with people like you and and from the other countries, you you view hockey a little bit differently. And, 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 And talking with you, it makes me think differently about the game too. And I love that environment. So, you know, I'm going to try to, to come at it with an open mind when yeah. it gets closer here, but I do think it has the potential to, uh, I won't say fail, but, but to not be a, a huge success. And, yeah. and it's going to be very interesting. You, you know, Bob Nicholson, who used to run hockey Canada now works for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, was telling me recently when they had the world cup in Toronto, the, the, the finals in 2004, that, that at that point there was a Canada Russia game, I believe it was a quarterfinal, but I'd have to check. And they didn't sell out. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, the, the price of the tickets is, is quite expensive as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's going to be – the best way I can put it is it's going to be interesting because there, I, I think most people just assume, even the NHL, that, that you you have a big hockey event yeah. in Toronto. It's guaranteed to be a success, but but I'm I'm not quite certain that is the case. Now, and the thing also is I, I think – I mean – when, when you put up a big event like this, of course, you want to really attract as many fans as possible. And, you, I mean, the hockey, the, 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 the really, you know, intense hockey fans, you're going to get them. You always get them, the fans that really, you know, are the hockey nuts, right. so to speak. But to get the bigger audience, I mean, I think this tournament have, uh, there is a risk to it that people are going to look at it as a total gimmick. Like, you're going to look at the schedule. What kind of a team is this? I'm not watching this. Yeah. Probably, probably the best thing that can happen, and, and I don't mean any. Uh, I certainly don't have a rooting interest, but for the NHL, is if those those two teams don't win. Yeah, you know, if, if they if Team Europe and, and the Team North America with the young players 
isn't in, isn't a factor when no, it comes exactly, to the semifinals. Exactly. And yeah. then, you know, if if you have you know a Russia, US in one semifinal, yeah. Canada, Sweden, exactly. in another, yeah. I think people you know, then it's really exciting. Watch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But can you imagine if one of those two teams would win the whole thing? It would be like no, <laughs> that would be the worst. <laughs> It, 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 I mean, I hate to say it because there's lots of people that are going to play for those teams and work for those teams that I that I like. Yeah. The game, and I feel bad because you know they're, they're putting in their best efforts to. to yeah, yeah, yeah. Goals. It's not but, their fault. But, <laughs> but it's it would be awkward. Yeah. I mean, what? Totally. It's the simplest thing, but what national anthem? What flag? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's exactly. a it's a national event. It's called the World Cup. Yeah. Are they going to make a, a like a flag? Like two two new flags? <laughs> I think that they are honestly, and, and it's and that's what I mean. It's Jeez. it's a bit awkward. It's oh, it's yeah. not, and you know, the, to, to their credit, I think my sense is the NHL understands that this is an issue, and and you know, in speaking with John Collins, who was kind of one of the main driving forces behind the event, who unfortunately has left the league, so yeah. who knows where it goes from here. But but his vision was to to have for the next one in 2020 a qualifying tournament. Yeah. So that the the lower ranked European teams can yeah that would be a lot fight, better of course fight yeah. amongst themselves to decide who who plays there and and I think that that would we would all agree that 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 makes more sense yeah uh, but they just felt that they didn't have time to to organize all that and to to pull everything together and so they came up with this compromise and man imagine the young stars team is playing in the final or something yeah. i mean very bizarre yeah yeah but, totally but they have a lot of high end talent on that oh team. they sure do they sure do so i mean both those teams goaltending that was probably the biggest issue but you know john gibson's played very well in anaheim connor yeah. Hellyabuck in, in winnipeg has been uh, their number one oh goalie God. now for the last month or two and yeah. you know if they if they get some saves they 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 will be a tough team to beat oh yeah <laughs> Well, well, it's going to be interesting to follow well, that. Will you be coming sure. over to cover that, man? Yeah, yeah, I will. I will. I mean, of course, I look forward to that. And I mean, always, you know, uh, being at a, a big, big time tournament in Canada, it's going to be special. But I just hope, like you said, I mean, with all respect all, all, to all those players involved in those two uh, weird teams, I mean, you wish them the best. And it's not their fault that they're going to get picked to these two teams. But I mean, as long as they, you know, get knocked out pretty early. <laughs> Right. Well, I'm and fine. you know, when I think to some of my favorite times covering a tournament, I mean, I think the Sochi and and seeing uh, Slovenia beat Slovakia, yeah, at, at yeah. That, and and seeing the reaction from the players yeah. and what that meant to a guy like Anze Kopitar. I mean, oh, that yeah. even though you know he he doesn't come from a country that had any chance to win a medal, yeah. it's still that was a big moment for them, and, and and so that's that's sometimes what can be great about international hockey too is when one of those underdog country yeah oh yeah you know, re- registers a big victory really and, and remember also that sochi tournament that quarterfinal between canada and belarus latvia oh latvia sorry 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 of course latvia i mean that the latvia really scared the canadians there it was remember that we were in the stands together there it was one of those games where we kind of started looking at each other in the press box like <laughs> holy god what's going on here <laughs> Well, it was the goalie, Christers Godlevskis, yeah, who's uh, yeah. playing in the American Hockey League now. For he played his game of his life. <laughs> but, you know, he's like a 20-year-old kid and, and never played any pro hockey to speak of and, yeah. you know, nearly nearly beat, you know, one of the better Canadian teams that, that's ever been put together yeah. for international hockey. So, I mean, that to me, that's that's part of the fun. I, I don't yeah, mind having I totally agree. underdog teams. But, you know, I, I think, too, that they didn't want – they don't want games in the round robin portion that end eight to one no, or something. No. They, they're trying to, they're trying to, to have the you know the most competitive games possible. But uh, uh, and I and I feel I'm starting to feel guilty because I don't want to be too negative. No, I, it's the I, same here. We we want to look forward to that, and we, we we should leave it at that for the moment here. And and of course it was Latvia, the 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 Belarus Olympic game. Let's not talk about that at all. It was a different <laughs> different year. <laughs> Is that but, the one? Did, did I hear a story? Did they put all the players' headshots on the front of the newspaper? Yeah, that was our paper. <laughs> and and uh, it was kind of like, you know, these are the guys that embarrass the country. So betray the country, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, now, it that, was... That's a, tough, that's a tough headline. It's a tough headline. <laughs> but at the same time, it was one of those games. It's like, you know, one of the most classic games in Swedish sports history, I'd say. Because of all the expectations and all the, you know, excitement and the quality of the Swedish team. And I mean, I have to say also that first game in that tournament, that might be the best 
game a team Sweden have ever played. Matt Sundin, Canada, yeah, right? yeah. Matt Sundin for one night was absolutely the best player in the world, and they won five two against Canada. Uh, right. And and nobody remembers that game because everybody remembers the Belarus game. Well, Jesus and I remember Christ. the talk in Canada was that Sweden was playing a style that we'd never seen before. Exactly, it was different. And, uh, and and that you know because if you remember it, it would have been Canada Sweden in the semis. in the semis oh yeah oh yeah and that would have been a much tougher path I mean that yeah. that team that won gold in Salt Lake City for Canada was a huge relief for the time yeah uh, because it had been fifty years since a Canadian yeah. team had won gold at the Olympics but really was not a great team it, it, it's certainly not as good I don't think as the last two no that's and true that, I agree. that, that I agree. one but they, they got a good break with Belarus beating Sweden and oh yeah and, you know they 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 managed. Uh, despite some early struggles to, to you know, that, that shows you too, you can get lucky in these, these sort of <laughs> yeah. single elimination events by which teams you play. I remember the day after the game, I had my editor, I worked at Dagens Nyheter, a different newspaper at the time. So I got a call like really, really early in the morning the day after, like you have to go to the airport and, you know, talk to some of the Swedish players, like, you know, fleeing <laughs> Utah. I'm like, okay, that's a great <laughs> did, assignment. Did you find any of them? Oh yeah, Matt Sundin. <laughs> <laughs> and when we saw each other, it's like, oh, nobody really wanted to be there. Like, oh God. And then it was, you, I didn't really have to ask a question. I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> this is you a drill. We have to go through this. Just say something, and then I'll leave you alone. <laughs> right. That well, was terrible. I mean, was he classy then? Oh, he really was. was he really was. And I think we we were all in shock still. You know, everybody right. kind of looked forward so much to that Canada game, and 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 then all of a sudden it was all over. So I think we I I I think we were in, in a bit of shock, both of us. Like, what the heck just happened? The whole thing is over. Before well, when really... you have when you have one of the the best. Uh, teams your country's put together and you're playing Belarus yeah. in the quarterfinals. I mean, yeah. let's face it, everybody assumes <laughs> yeah. you're going to the semifinals yeah, I know. That, so. Oh my God, yeah, that was terrible. Oh yeah. But what about the Olympics? I mean, next Olympics is going to be in South Korea and that's not really the hockey, number one hockey country in the world. Um, and it, we still don't know whether the NHL is going to go there or not. And there's definitely some owners who think that's a ridiculous idea. And there are some other people that understands that it's pretty good PR for the whole sport and for the NHL to go. What do you think? You think we're going to see NHL players in South Korea? I would be shocked if they didn't go. Yeah. Honestly, at the end of the day, if you are a sport that's pulling out of the Olympics, I would I would be stunned. It yeah. would it would take such a short-sighted view of the entire process if if they didn't find a way to make it work. And you know, I I am of the belief, and I know sometimes his quotes in the public are not this way, but I I, I really do believe Gary Bettman understands that and believes yeah. that. The, the issue for him is twofold. As you mentioned, some of the owners, which are his bosses, uh-huh. aren't in favor of the tournament as much as others. And, you know, the second one is that each tournament they go to, there's a set of negotiations that happen with the International Olympic Committee over some things that, that you know, fans don't care about, whether it's tickets for the families or accommodations or travel, um, you know, various aspects of the tournament that, that's, that have to be worked out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it, the NHL believes it's in its best interest if it makes it sound... Like it might not come because it, you know, it gives the reason for the IOC to, uh, you know, perhaps to, to give a little bit more in those negotiations and, and to make the conditions better. But, you know, at the end of the day, even something like the, the TJ Oshie uh, shootout game against Russia, oh, just yeah. in the round robin. But, you know, that that made more in, in America, that got more headlines than any NHL game ever could. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, with you know, people were calling him TJ Sochi yeah. uh, back here. And I mean, Barack you know, Obama was talking about the game, <laughs> right? And and it just it just gives you know hockey a platform yeah. it can't get anywhere else. I mean, oh, in Sweden, true. in Finland, and Canada, oh, yeah, all over the place. Even in Russia, we cover. I mean, I think that these are more hockey centric countries that that. You know we're gonna love the game, even if maybe we send you know. Yeah, that's from, true. That's true too. But still, it's but, gonna be even bigger, even in those countries, if if it's the Olympics. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, my 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 mom was watching the Olympics, and she's not usually watching an NHL game on a Saturday night, for example. No. I mean, it, it's a it's a different. It's just a totally different level uh, for the sport, and and I I would be shocked. Even you know another thing that works in the favor is the NHL is making a lot of. Uh, efforts to to grow the game in China, yeah. and we had a, a Chinese broadcast crew did the Stanley Cup final last year. 
Oh, yeah. uh, you know, came over from China. It was quite a funny thing to watch them interviewing the players. And <laughs> it's just, it was a totally different thing. But, you know, I think that, you know, there's real efforts there to build arenas uh, around China. And the NHL is trying to lend its support. And, and with the, the games afterwards in 2022 going to Beijing, yeah. uh, you know, it would seem very strange to pull out uh, before that opportunity. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I have to believe that there's enough smart people running the league to, to understand why this this will happen but until there's an agreement and until it's official i guess there's always a possibility uh, they might make that mistake yeah yeah, yeah i totally agree on, on everything you said there and yes let's hope that, that we're all going to um, south korea because like you said the olympics is really something special and talking about great games i have attended if i would make a list of like the five most memorable games i mean that tj oshi showdown in sochi is definitely one of them and of course Me also too. yeah and uh, yeah i mean that was such a great and i mean remember turning my head at the press box seeing putin in pain in the stands it was just you know you don't do that every day uh, <laughs> and then of course that final in vancouver was something just out of the ordinary it was like a movie script with sydney crosby scoring the winning goal that was pretty pretty cool too i'm still not sure that's what actually happened it just seemed too <laughs> it just seems like that you're right something we'd see in, in, in a theater not something yeah. we'd see uh in real life and and i mean that was that's probably going to be the highlight of my career i hate yeah. to say because hopefully i have a long career still ahead but i can't imagine uh, just just the hype you know covering the lead up to that olympics and you know crosby was i guess 23 at the time uh you know really at the the height of his stardom too and and for it all to come together and and overtime is just uh, you, you don't get many moments like that uh, ever and and you know really in the nhl i don't think you can get anything that would be that impactful as that was yeah. in canada that, i mean that i think 20 million people out of 30 million watched the game or more and 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 it's just again it, it's it's you can't get you can't set that stage no. anywhere but anywhere but the olympics and you uh, know, hopefully the nhl recognizes that and, and a deal gets done yeah i totally agree uh let's wrap this up it's really been a pleasure chris it was uh, i mean this turned out as good as i was hoping and i was sure with you as a guest so i really appreciate you coming on like this we have to uh, end it with um the fact that there is Thank God for that. When uh, the rest of us is getting older, there is one player who keeps us all feel younger because he is forever young. And of course, I'm talking about the first line player in Florida Panthers who keeps winning and winning and winning and winning. And Yaramir Jagr. I mean, what is there left to say about that player? Let's finish up with saying some some things about Yaramir Jagr. If the one thing I would love to know a little bit more about Yaramir is. What happened to him in Russia uh, when he went back for the three years? For the that, three, that it was three there. years also, right? It is, but I have to, I have to believe somewhere there he discovered the fountain of youth, or he <laughs> he found a new love for the sport, or something. Yeah. Uh, because there's no other way to explain what we've seen, and and you know as we're talking now, Magnus, he has 15 goals. Uh, he he could become the oldest player in NHL history with 20. I mean, I would be. Surprise! It would only take an injury to keep him from scoring five more times in half a season. Yeah. And you know what we're seeing has never happened before, essentially, uh, in NHL history, in hockey history. So uh, th- there is almost nothing to say more than that, other than uh, I do feel that you know at the end of his time in the NHL before he went back to Russia, he he was I think something was missing, and and I do think he discovered something well well in the KHL. I don't know what it was. Uh, I'm not suggesting it's illegal or anything, but just uh, it might be as simple as he just found a new love for the sport or, yeah. or something, some other way to to stay motivated to train the way yeah. he has to train. And, and, you know, that really for most athletes is is what happens. I mean, uh, some of the great ones, even, you know, I think of the Swedes, Lidstrom and Alfredson, you know, probably could have kept playing at the time. I mean, in, in Alfredson's case, it was an injury that, that kind of yeah. discouraged him from continuing on. But as for some, it's just that the passion to have to work as hard as you have to work to stay at that level uh, wanes as, as time goes on. And somehow, you know, Yager's still skating in the middle of the night and <laughs> running around with weights on and doing all these crazy training techniques. And, um, you know, the fact that he still uh, loves the game is, is, is something. And um, imagine now he'll, he'll get a chance to go back to the playoffs too. Yeah, like oh yeah, that is so great. And that team can really, I mean... 
I don't think they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but 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 they they sure they sure can surprise some team uh, without a doubt, right? Right, and and what's interesting about them is they have you know the old Yager and they have the young Barkov, the yeah. starman from Finland, who you know doesn't get a ton of attention yet in North America, but I, I think really is going to be a, a great centerman. And and uh, to to end off where we started, I mean, I, I look forward to seeing him on Finnish national teams with the two young guys who did oh, it well yeah. at the World Juniors. Patrick Laine and Jesse Pugliarvi. Uh, and Barkov. That's a legion of doom in the Finnish uh, setting. Exactly. I mean, maybe in future <laughs> world tournaments, oh, yeah. uh, those guys will be terrorizing everybody. And, oh, and yeah. the, the next generation of Finnish hockey won't be about the system and goaltending no. and defense. And maybe that they're going to have, it looks to me anyway, the possibility that, that they'll be more of a dangerous impact team and uh, that that gives us lots to think about uh, for international hockey moving forward. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, funny thing, also you mentioned Jarmi Jager has scored 15 goals this season. Yeah. Yeah. There's 69 Swedish guys that are playing in the NHL. There's only one out of 69 who have scored more goals than Jarmi Jager. That's Daniel Sadin with 17. The rest, the rest of the of the group has less goals than the forever young Jarmi. And that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> But it's nothing great, about Yarmir Yager does. That's no, what it's I true. Mean. He's, he, he, for someone we know so well, in, in a sense, and that he's been in the public eye, yeah. we, 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 there's so much we don't know. There's kind of an air true. of mystery about him. Yeah. And, uh, he's like know, a I'm rock sure. star, too, in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, he's... <laughs> he's the rock star. Whenever he comes to town, I mean, who's who do you want to talk to when you walk into the Florida Panthers dressing room? Yeah. Maybe Roberto Longo as well, but, uh, I mean, Yarmir Yager, he's he's... He was been hanging a mullet in his in his dressing room stall that a fan gave him. <laughs> I mean, he's just he's a character, and and, yeah. and good for him. He reminds us that you know as we get older and life gets more serious, you can still have fun with it. And, yeah. And, you know, I I enjoy seeing his success, and I'm sure he's going to be in the NHL next season at age 44. Oh yeah. After what he's doing now. I see. Yeah. And I remember I I met him a bunch of times, of course, and talked to him. But the the the, the moment that sticks out is when I met him in Russia, actually, when he played there in the KHL. And it was just the two of us in some some locker room area around the arena in Kazan. And this was around the time where there were rumors about Matt Sandin signing with the Rangers. Uh, okay. That never happened, but the rumors were really going around that Sandin was going to go to New York. And he that was the team that Yarmi Yagi has left. And he's like looking at me like, is Sandin going to sign with the Rangers? Like asking me the question. I'm like, I'm not sure that rumor's going to... Because if that happens, I'm going to get upset because then I lost the chance to play with Matt Sandin. And then he just kept talking. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> That's a good story. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was like the front page of our sports editions. <laughs> that was great stuff. But he was really... I mean, he was upset for real. Like, right. did I miss out on the chance to play with Sandin? So, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. One, one of my favorite Jager memories was at the end of the World Champs in 2010 in Germany. Oh, yeah. And that was the year that the the Czechs, you know, they only had a couple NHL players. Yeah, yeah. And, and really underdogs. And a lot of young guys, and, and they won the gold. a uh, big surprise. Yeah. And the next morning, I'm I'm at the airport in Cologne and, and flying home, and all the players are there, and they clearly haven't been to bed. Yeah. Uh, they're still <laughs> drinking beers. They, they had the trophy on the bar at the airport. Yeah. All the, all the players had they had their, their, their sweaters tied around their waists, and they're wearing gold medals, except for Yarmir Yager who was just sitting quietly, sipping an espresso, and just watching it happen. You know, like all, all of his younger teammates are partying still and excited, and he just looked so classy. He, yeah. he didn't have any sweater. He didn't have any gold medal, and I, and I don't think he even drinks anymore. So <laughs> it was just it just – it was a funny scene to see the contrast between – he was at that point even still the old man, kind of kind of surveying the excitement of youth there. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, that was a perfect ending of a very good podcast. Thanks a whole lot, Chris, for doing this. And uh, hopefully we'll, we we should do this again in, in the near future. Anytime you want, Magnus. Talk some UK. Super. Thanks. Du har lyssnat på en podcast från Expressen. Ansvarig utgivare är Thomas Mattsson. Fler poddar hittar du på expressen.se-podcast och på iTunes.